Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, there's some important stuff to talk about today, but we're going to start by not talking about that at all. Um, instead, I just want to say that yesterday I was riding one of those scooters through Denver. You know, they, they have like the, the line ones and like the lift ones. Mine was a lift one, not that it matters. But uh, I was just kind of scootering around because what else do you do right now? Like, I don't really know how else to spend my time. Wound up going to Chipotle. Um, but I wrecked it. Like, and I've never seen anybody wreck one of these scooters before, but like I full on wrecked it like over the handlebars. And what happened was, so I was like flying down Broadway by like, uh, Oh boy. Oh boy. Street names. Um, Let's just say kind of near 8th, probably, at least close to where I'd expect 8th to be, uh, and kind of like where Spear crosses. Uh, point is, a whole lot of people around on that road looking, and again, what happened was I was going on the sidewalk, and my hat blew off my head, and that happens to me so often. It happened to me during that golf thing last week. Um, uh, and that's like a whole another thing like where I, I just need to talk to some people and see how often their hats fly off their head because for me it just seems like it's constant but it starts to come off my head and I like jump instinctively to grab it and especially this hat because it's like the, the one of the I think there are only two of them it's the DNVR champion hat like with the DNVR on the front back when we were like figuring out which hats we were actually going to sell for a brief second the, one of the options was a champion hat, which, if you're 23 like me, is pretty cool. And so that's not a hat I can lose. And then, like, so on the right side of me, I have the road with all the cars driving very fast. And on the left side, there's, like, this parking garage, which is down below. And so you can drop things down into there. Not that you would intentionally, but my hat, I was worried, would on accident. And so I, like, kind of jump up on the scooter. Scooter turns sideways. I do flips blood everywhere i've never felt like this sore before and maybe i'm just forgetting my lacrosse days because i know i took some hits the thing is a lot of those were to the head actually so i couldn't really feel anything but uh yeah like i just have like bruises on my ribs and like blood on my leg because i didn't handle that properly last night and just like most of me hurts my elbow like i think i might have sprained my ankle like my foot doesn't pull up and the, the point is, I guess, if I'm a little bit pissy today, that's why. 
Um, let's talk about some sports, though. Uh, oh, actually, no, 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 no. Let's not even talk about sports. Let's talk about Manscaped. Um, I'm getting ready to go back to Montana. I actually just booked my tickets. Um, I'm headed back there for a week this weekend. And you guys don't have to worry. Nothing will change with, like, the podcast schedule or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, I was trying to figure out what I need to bring with me to Montana. So I know my golf clubs because I think there's a rematch with Vic and Moj on the way and I can't afford to take any days off. Otherwise we'll lose again and my ego cannot take that. Um, so I have my golf clubs on the list, obviously, but that means you need golf clothes. And if I'm going to be there for a week playing a few times, I don't want to just like have gross clothes and I guess I could wash them, but who wants to do that? And I also need like my shoes and all sorts of that kind of stuff that's going to mostly fill up my little carry-on suitcase thing. And then you think of like all this, like the normal clothes and then like stuff for hiking and then rafting and I don't even know, like all the other things you do in Montana, looking at lakes, swimming in lakes, I don't know. Um, I realized that I was gonna have to cut some things out and I've been trying to figure out like, am I willing to use my sister's shampoo, for example. Is that one of like the trade-offs I'm willing to make uh, to, to save some space? Like conditioner, do I trust their conditioner? It's like, well, worst case scenario, I know what kind of conditioner I like. If I have to go buy, I sound, I sound kind of whiny right now already. But uh, the, the point is, there's this little travel case that comes with the perfect package 3.0. And it's leather and it's super nice. And I can just fit all of my Manscaped stuff in there because I have decided that I just need to bring my lawnmower. Like I can't go a week, 10 days, whatever it is without that. It's just not realistic, especially when I'm going to be like out on the water and stuff. You got, you got to take care of your hair. Um, and then you get into like more important than any of that is the crop preserver, the ball deodorant that you just can't get anywhere else. And I know I've been pounding this table for so long, but it's so good. Um, and Again, it's just one more moment that made me realize how important all of those products are to my life and how many things I can cut out that I would much rather cut out than those. Um, if you guys want to pick up a Perfect Package 3.0 for yourself or the lawnmower, the crop preserver, or the crop reviver, or body wash, or whatever else, you should at least go check out the website. And that website's uh, manscaped.com where if you use the code dmvr20 you can get 20 percent off your purchase and you can get yourself free shipping it's a great deal cannot recommend them enough um but let's talk about some sports so things aren't looking great and i i don't want this to be a sad podcast like i really hate that the dmvr buffs podcast for the most part has kind of turned into just slowly watching the season slip away, I think would be what I call it. It almost feels like we're sitting here, like I literally am just like looking at a candle and just watching that whole candle melt. And then in this case, the sports case, once that candle, once that wax just gets to the bottom, then it's just all over. And that's like, I don't know what that is, September 1st, and we're all just like, well, there went sports for the year. And 
I just really hate that because I'm usually super optimistic, but the truth is the news is kind of dark and I don't want there to just be this whole big shock. And we're committed to following the trends on this podcast, you know, talking about where are their flare ups and are there more flare ups at more schools than there were a couple of weeks ago. And, and those are all of like the indicators of whether things are getting better, whether things are getting worse, wetter. Um, and for the most part, things are getting bad. Um, in terms of what you really need to know, um, tomorrow, Wednesday, is a pretty big day. That's when the Ivy League is going to decide whether to play fall sports. Um, they would be the first ones to make that decision either way. And... A lot of people expect them to say that they won't be playing fall sports. You know, Harvard has already said that all of their classes will be online. And that got a whole bunch of backlash because they aren't reducing the price. And so you're paying the same amount but getting less out of your Harvard education. But but that's definitely not a path we need to go down because, honestly, I don't even have too much of a take. Like... I, I spent three grand a year to go to the University of Montana after thinking like, oh, CU would be cool or Fordham or DePaul. And those are a few of the schools I kind of narrowed it down to. I, I Looking back, it was like, ah, I just saved a whole bunch of money. And the plan at the time was like save the money and then go to grad school and don't head into grad school with debt. Um, turns out, okay, but back to football, even though – it's again just kind of dark um so that is really what you're looking at and that's kind of what the whole college football world will be following on Wednesday because even though I mean it's not like the chase for the national championship is affected by whether the Ivy League plays or not they are on the schedule for some teams and so at the very least other other teams are losing non-conference games and there is this belief that it would kind of start this wave that would probably trickle through the FCS and it would probably trickle through the group of five. And then a month from now you see, oh, we're down 20% of all college football programs or 30 or 40% if you're counting FCS or whatever those numbers end up being. And you kind of go toward this path where your options if you aren't in one of the schools that canceled or likely one of the conferences that canceled the season you have to pick whether you play a non-conference or a conference only schedule or push things back until the spring and those are kind of the discussions that are going around right now uh, that there have been some great thought pieces, think pieces, but they were written in the past. No, it's their think pieces on like how you could handle all of that and the different paths you could go down. You know, John Wilner, the Mercury News, he does a great job covering the Pac-12. He published a story this morning, um, a couple hours ago, that's basically his outline for how he would handle this season. And again, there are the reports out there that the Pac-12 is really seriously considering a spring season. Um, and I mean, not the Pac-12, but 
but people inside the Pac-12 said that they've had those discussions and those discussions would require people from other conferences also engaging in them because you wouldn't just have one conference play in the spring. And so if the Pac-12 has talked this through and says that that is something that's on the table, then it's on the table for all the other conferences as well, obviously, and there is some momentum behind it. Um, what John Wilner says is that essentially they should have a nine plus one schedule or no, no, no. He has sources who said that there's support in multiple power five conferences for a nine plus one schedule. So what that would mean would be nine conference games and one non-conference matchup. And that non-conference matchup would be against um, likely a regional opponent um, could be group of five could be FCS, not power five, probably um, essentially it'd be a warm up game and the small conference school would go to the Power 5 school, and the Power 5 school would supply all of the testing for during the week, all of that kind of stuff. And it'd be a bit of a bill, but it would mean that you get to play that game and you get to play it safely and know that you're not getting your players sick to play it. Also, he outlined kind of his own plan. John Wilner did. And his plan was to cut the season down to the to eight conference games. So the Pac-12 currently plays nine every season. Um, you you take one of those off, and you take off um, one from the other division within the conference. So there's six teams in Pac-12 South, South, six in the Pac-12 North. You play all of the teams in your division. So Colorado plays the entire Pac-12 South. And then you play four teams in the other division, the North division. Under Wilner's plan, you would take out one of those games against the North division if you're Colorado. And that would cause a whole bunch of scheduling headaches, obviously, because those games don't necessarily line up. But then you would push the season back a couple of weeks, um, allow for that bump when students arrive on campus that most people expect to happen. Um, and again, he says that seven of the Pac-12 teams are starting classes on August 24th. And those are the seven that work off a semester schedule, I guess. They're all starting on August 24th, which is kind of interesting to me, I guess. But uh, if you push that season back, start it, it would be right around September 20th. I don't remember the exact date, but whatever that Saturday is. Um, and, and then you play the season two weeks on and one week off. So you, you have games scheduled for the first two weeks of the season. And then there's a, a, what he calls a flex week. So if one of those games before got canceled because of uh, players needing to be quarantined or whatever's going on, then you can make that game up in that slot. And if you've already played your games, then you get a bye week there. This is similar to some of the other schedules that I've seen proposed. Um, typically they just throw two or three flex weeks at the end of the schedule because, I mean, you don't know when teams are going to struggle to get their games in. So, I mean, if you go through and let's say, let's just say you're Colorado and knock on wood for everything I'm about to say, uh, you, you go with that eight game schedule, two weeks on one week off. What if they're healthy through those first two games? They stay healthy through that week off. 
they stay healthy through those next two games. But then in that week off, or maybe right before the week off, whatever, there's a flare-up on campus. You wind up either players are testing positive or they've been in classes with people who have tested positive, and that means they have to quarantine and they can't play. Well, that quarantine period could take up two weeks, and so they miss those two games. What if they aren't ready for that flex week right after two? Then all of a sudden, you only have one flex week left. You've wasted a few flex weeks, and you've missed two games. So the numbers just don't work. I like adding those flex games to the back end of the schedule just because you obviously have a better chance of being able to get those games in. You know, if you if you have three flex weeks at the end of the year and a team missed four games, yeah, you, you have to make a tough decision in there. But the odds of that happening are slim, and they're much, much less than the odds of having those sorts of issues when you're sprinkling the flex games throughout the season. The, the biggest knock in my mind on having the extra flex weeks at the end of the year is that before the Pac-12 title game, you have a team or you could have a team that's sitting out for three weeks, for four weeks without a game because they got all their games in. Meanwhile, another team might be able to stay hot um, and that could cause problems. My thought is if, if, if putting those flex weeks at the end of the season is your best chance to get games in, you've got to make it happen. And the typical postseason already has those breaks. You know, when you end your regular season, you typically have close to a month off before your bowl game. So it's not like this is unheard of in college football. And I think that works better. Uh, I should note, John Wilner also said that they should push back uh, that conference championship game a couple weeks, add a little bit of a buffer there. Fully agree with that. Um, again, as we start to approach this decision time, I do think it's kind of important to run through all these plans. And maybe, I mean, it's, it's almost like a sport. We all have our own plans that we like best and we'll get to see what everybody votes on. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a mess. And it's not the only mess in the PAC 12 right now. Um, We'll get into that in a minute, but first I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. We love their stuff. I, uh, I'm i trying to figure out, like I said, I'm going up to Montana. I don't want to float down a river without a strawberry sky. Like, I haven't, I don't think I've floated down. No, I haven't floated down any rivers this summer at all. And for about nine months, basically, from the end of last summer until the beginning of this summer, all I thought about was just being in the heat, sitting in a tube, sitting in a raft, just anything near water with a strawberry sky in my hand. I don't know if I can make that happen in Montana. Uh, I knew I know that there are some Breckenridge beers up there. We found them. I drink them exclusively, and that doesn't change up there. But I'm not sure about the strawberry sky. So what I'm going to do is... Jump on the Breck Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website and see whether I can get those in Montana and whether I can get those close to home. Or, you know, I'm flying into Missoula, driving up to the Flathead where I live. 
maybe I can grab some in Missoula and bring them with me because that's where they are. Luckily, the Breckenridge beer locator will tell me exactly where I can find whatever Breckenridge beers it is that I want to try. Yeah, uh, this is, some of these grammar things are getting me this morning. This is the earliest I've recorded a podcast in a while. I think that I'd need just a tiny bit more coffee, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and worst case scenario, there's no strawberry sky on that half of the state. I'll just ship some because I already have to ship my golf clubs anyway. So I'm kind of thinking I could just sneak like a, a bunch of them into my bag and use like one of those golf transporting services that does like skis and stuff, whatever. But uh, that's my plan because again, I am not willing to be on the water without Strawberry Sky. Like even, even if it's just for one of the days, that's fine. But I can't miss out on that piece of my summer. I just can't. Um, if you guys want to try some, like I said, you can go to the Breckenridge Beer Locator, find it for yourself. You can go to Davidson's down south of Denver. Uh, you can go to the DNVR bar. Uh, it's also in most grocery stores, um, gas stations, liquor stores, of course. So check it out. I promise it's good stuff. And I also want to tell you about WGT. World Golf Tour is uh, the official gaming partner of DNVR and one of our most fun new partners because they let us spend more time with dnvr members and honestly with each other you know it's fun to be in the group chat when harrison's sitting at 10th after claiming all week that he is going to finish 10th in the fours of july uh he held on to a spot which is pretty disappointing um nobody wanted that but it is really fun to have that sort of competition and just be able to i mean kind of just bond because i i think i think there are there are 250 people in the DNVR club, country club, but there's also like the DNVR two, which means that there's up to 250 more people. And so it's just so much fun because it is really competitive to get up onto that leaderboard at the end of the weekend. We have tournaments every weekend. Um, they're so much fun. Join one of these country clubs so you guys can play. You don't have to be a DNVR member. It's just a place to go have fun. Uh, to download the app, you can go to dnvrgolf.com and that'll take you straight to the uh, download page. So it's a great deal. It's the most popular golf game in the world. So check it out. All right. So uh, we kind of talked about the bad. Uh, we didn't even talk about the spring schedule, but we've talked about that in the past. And I, I should at least mention that that is gaining a lot of steam. There are a lot of people around college football who know their stuff, who say, that is looking like the most likely option the way things are trending right now. Again, that the Ivy League decision tomorrow is going to be big. But uh, just to give you a recap in case you didn't listen to that podcast, I guess we've talked to, uh, about it on a couple, so I'll just bring this up real quickly. Um, so by moving things to the spring, you run into some issues. Um, the biggest, in my mind, being the NFL draft and... The NFL draft is typically the last weekend in April. The college football season uh, would likely run, according to these reporters, either from March or, or from February through April or from March through May. So that would take you through the NFL draft 
um, if you start in March or late February and right up to it, or maybe even through it if you start at the beginning of February. Um, there are obviously problems with that. You already see players sitting out of bowl games in December because they want to avoid injury. If you have a Trevor Lawrence, for example, somebody who analysts have been kind of debating for a couple of years after his breakout freshman season, when you see that he's a, a great quarterback, um, should he even play the next two seasons or should he just work out on his own, work out with the quarterbacks coach, get ready for the NFL because he would be the number one draft pick anyway. For a guy like that, would he really want to play a season that lasts all the way up until the draft? I would guess not. I would guess that he would just sit out. And I would guess that he wouldn't be alone either because, again, you see guys sit out of bowl games in December. And I get that that is different because the bowl games in some ways are meaningless. But... I mean, February is the Senior Bowl. No, I think January is typically a Senior Bowl. Uh, you have all of the off-season pre-draft process that is going to be totally overlapping with college football. And uh, I believe that it was Adam Schefter who said that people have reached out to the NFL like through the NCAA and said, hey, would you consider moving the NFL draft? And they kind of just laughed him off like no we're not, we're not doing that and it makes sense because assuming the world is back to normal they have rookie mini camps right after and then they bring the the vets in for those mini camps right after and then there is kind of that month off before training camp but you want to give those players that month off to work on their own to study on their own to come into the facilities if they want and if you just say you pulled that month out of the schedule and pushed everything in front of it back a month to fill that space, and so now your draft is at the end of May, you could probably just go straight through, but that's a lot of stress to put on those guys' bodies. That's less time to get them ready to play. It's less time for your coaches who don't know who their new players are going to be to develop a plan. And... These concerns may not sound worthy of just nixing an entire college football season or pulling all of the best players off of the college football teams, but the NFL has no reason to support the NCAA. None at all. Literally none. And so if they have any slight benefit one way or the other when they're making any decision they're going to do what's best for them without any regard for the NCAA because they get nothing from helping the NCAA um so yeah there there's kind of where that stands so that is pretty inflexible and I don't know that we've talked about that all that much um one last point on this topic um it's also kind of this question of you know, maybe a guy like Chuba Hubbard, for example, the, the running back at Oklahoma State who is potentially the first running back to go off the board. Um, there, there are four or five guys who could legitimately be that first running back off. And this kind of applies to any of them or anybody who expects to go in the first two days of the draft, the first three rounds. Maybe they do play to start the season, but maybe they have two or three big games and say, hey, 
that's it for me. I got to pull out. And as players start to pull out, it will become more acceptable for other players to, to pull out. You know, if you're the only guy sitting out, then it feels kind of bad. It, it feels weird. It feels like you're letting your team down. But when that's something that's going on across college football, that changes a bunch of things. Um, for the Buffs, I don't know how much they'll be impacted. Um, you know, Mustafa Johnson could make that choice. Nate Landman could make that choice. Um, I don't think Will Sherman could. Um, that's probably it, really. Um, but the teams that have the most NFL talent are the teams that win the most college football games and get the most national attention. You know, you could see a handful, at least, of Alabama's starters sit out. Same thing with Clemson. Uh, same thing with Ohio State, Notre Dame, all of these top 25 programs, and it would really put things on their head. And so while that may not seem like this draft process is affecting that many players, the point is that it's affecting all of the most important players to the 2020 or spring 2021 college football season. And that's why that could get kind of ugly. You lose the TV ratings without the stars and you lose some money. So, so that's just kind of that whole discussion, you know, then there's the other stuff, uh, recruiting, recruiting, for example, um, I think you could manage all that pretty easily, but could early enrollees play? I doubt it. I think it'd be easier just to say, no, we're not letting that happen. They can practice with the team, whatever. But the odds of any of them being in good enough shape as 17-year-olds to contribute to a football team, well, I guess if all the top talent's gone, then maybe they could. Who knows? Um, there are some kind of recruiting ramifications. Um, I don't think you have to move the signing day. Um, you would have to change the rules to allow official visits during that season, probably. Or, you know, if, if the coronavirus is still bad, they may still say we're not doing that. Um, we're not having official visits anyway. So those are kind of those issues that you talk about um, when you talk about this subject. And it is good to touch on those. And again, it's a very real option to play like an eight-week season this spring. Or who knows, maybe they'll try to fit the whole thing in, but that would kind of surprise me unless the world really is back to normal and they're confident they can get it done. Um, yeah, uh, but before we get into the Larry Scott stuff, I want to uh, give a quick shout-out to MSU Denver Online. Um, MSU Denver is a great school and they've really put an emphasis on online learning. They've kind of seen that as their path forward, their path to be um, successful because there is a bit of a gap in the Rocky Mountain region and they have stepped in and filled that gap uh, with a great online school. Um, I've mentioned before that Harrison Wind and Ali Monroy are taking classes through MSU Denver online and Harrison just sent his notes out. Not like his notes from the classes. Although I would like to know whether he's a good student who takes like detailed notes or if he just like, I don't know. I bet he takes good notes. I, I bet Harrison takes good notes. Um, here, here are a couple of them though. Um, the first thing he said that stands out to him is how engaged the professors are. Um, they're, they're very responsive to emails, to questions, concerns, and they'll get back to you so quickly. And he says that he really likes that not only are they accessible, but they work in the field that they're teaching. A lot of them 
are, you know, if they're teaching a business class, they're probably business people as well. They aren't just professor professors who are career educators. And, and there's not that there's anything wrong with that by any means, but for Harrison, he says that he likes that they work in that same field and that they're active in that field because it just means that they are engaged with the very most current issues, what needs to be talked about. Um, and that's, that's, that's interesting to me. That stood out to him. Um, he also said that the networking is uh, great. Um, obviously, point out the convenience um, because he does have a job. In case you hadn't heard, he covers the Nuggets for us. Um, and and the whole program, the MSU Denver Online program, is built for those people. You know, it, it's meant for people who are working a job, um, and it makes it so much easier to to take those classes when you do have a job. Um, we'll we'll stick around with these guys, hear what they have to say. I, I hope that they have to like give us some sort of presentation. You know, like like. If he's taking like a sports writing class, I want Harrison to have to come back and like teach us what he learned. Maybe he has to jump on a podcast or something. But uh, yeah, uh, if you guys want more information, and again, this is such a great school. They have over 700 online courses. They have over 40 online programs. They'll get you a degree. Um, so check it out. Go to msudenver.com slash online and at least read up on it. Why not? Okay, uh, before we get out of here, we got to talk about the Larry Scott stuff. Um, hopefully by just getting all of the sad things out of the way today, it'll open us up to have more fun tomorrow. You know, uh, there's a NWSL game that I'm pretty excited about tomorrow night, and uh, I'm not going to spoil my pick, um, but it's OL Rain versus Houston Dash. And I, uh, with my DraftKings pick of the week, I'm going to be telling you who's going to win that game. And so at least that part of tomorrow's show will be fun. And hopefully there's some good news I would love some good news, but I guess there is a way you could twist what I'm about to tell you into good news, and that's that Larry Scott is on pretty shaky ground. So the Pac-12 CEO board is comprised of all of the chancellors and presidents of all of the PAC 12 member institutions. So 12 cha chancellors, 12 presidents, and what they've been doing, um, according to some reports, um, is discussing whether they are going to end Commissioner Larry Scott's contract before it expires in 2022. Um, those are discussions that have been had um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the most recent has been that that sounds likely. And again, that's 2022 when that's supposed to end. And you'll remember, so the, the media rights deal ends in 2023, which means the new one kicks in in 2024. We talked about this last summer, but haven't really come back to it. But there's this belief that the Pac-12 knows that they don't want to have Larry Scott as their commissioner long-term. And in particular, they don't want him to be the one who negotiates the new TV deal because that is such a big thing for the conference. So the options are to bring somebody in now and have them 
make some not so significant decisions instead of Larry Scott for the next two years while you still have to pay Larry Scott some sort of buyout for ending his contract early. So you're really paying two commissioners for that time. Before it, we figured out that the world was going crazy and that the decisions that the Pac-12 commissioner is making right now are actually very important, it seemed like you could have somebody just sit there and make sure everything goes fairly smoothly like Larry Scott. But there still was this discussion where people were asking, should we let him stay till 2022 or should we end this a year early because maybe that's when the negotiations are really going to start to heat up and you want to have some sort of stability going into those. And that's kind of been this debate. And it sounds like that debate has shifted in part because of what's going on now, in part because they're realizing, hey, the future of our conference is tied very tightly to this Pac-12 TV deal. But it's being tied more and more tightly to how everything is managed in these coming months. And maybe Larry Scott isn't that guy and it's worth investing in a new commissioner to get us through this part as well. Um, those are discussions that are being had. Um, there's also been a, a pay cut from or, or for Pac-12 employees. Um, they, they did have a round of layoffs. I want to say Pac-12 Network's uh, fired 8% of their workforce. And just yesterday, uh, Larry Scott cut the pay of all employees who make at least $100,000 by 5 to 10%. Larry Scott himself makes a little over $5 million a year, and he's taking a 12% cut. And that may sound like it's pretty low because that like five to 10, that 10 number sticks in your mind, that $100,000 number sticks in your mind. They're giving up 10% of their salary when they're making that much. He's giving up 12 when he's making that much. Doesn't really feel fair, but there's a good chance that these are pretty heavily scaled. So it really is 5% for people making six figures exactly and 10% to the highest paid or second highest paid person at the Pac-12, but the thing is, I don't know who that is or how much money that is. You know, if that's a $2 million a year salary or if that's 600,000. Um, and I'm sure we'll start to get more information as this progresses. And I don't think that this will be the last move. Same as with Colorado when they had to lay off four people when uh, the the marketing or the associate athletic director responsible for marketing um, resigned at the same time a few weeks ago. There's probably more there. There's probably more coming with the Pac-12. But we kind of are in this just wait and see what the CEO board decides. And again, it's there are a lot of things wrong with the Pac-12. And there are a lot of people to blame. You, I mean, you could go so many different directions. I, I think I harp on this USC thing too much. But again, like... If USC just had better leadership and could put the product on the field that they should be capable of putting out there as USC, that would solve a lot of things. You know, Colorado, if Colorado hadn't like missed, I think it's fair to say on like four straight coaches starting in the early 2000s, then they're likely in a much better position 
and they're helping to carry this conference. And, and any one of these schools could do more to put the Pac-12 in a better situation, but they aren't nearly as responsible as the people who are managing the Pac-12. You know, they're paying, they're still paying like the $8 million a year in rent so that they can have offices in downtown San Francisco. And then they have to pay more money to their employees to keep up with the cost of living there. You know, the, that $100,000, you may be thinking, oh, they're fine. They can take a 5% pay cut. Again, they live in San Francisco. That's, that's not easy to do. So, again, I, I just, so many things need to be changed. And I don't think Larry Scott is the right guy to change him because he has been at the head for so long. And it'd be weird for him to say, okay, here's my five-step plan leading up to this uh, new TV rights negotiating window that's coming up in a couple of years. You know, one of those points being, we are moving our offices to Las Vegas. We're moving them to, I don't even know. What, what would be a good spot? I mean, Arizona seems like it could be a good spot, but I have no idea whether it's expensive there. But, but wherever they're moving it to, they're moving the studios because TV studios are massive. And to, to, to have TV studios in downtown San Francisco, like you picked the worst place to do that in all of Pac-12 territory, which is pretty wide, you know, you could find a spot in Oregon. You could find a spot in Washington. I mean, maybe not Seattle, but you could find a spot in Arizona where you could save a bunch of money, move all of your operations there. And you know what? People who work for Pac-12, they might leave, but maybe bringing in some new blood isn't the worst thing anyway. I just, uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And... Uh, I, I don't, have I ever called for someone to be fired? Oh, I did on Twitter last week. There's this football coach who said something just terrible in Montana. And that was my first time ever. Um, but I, I, I am leaning into the, just move on from Larry Scott now camp. The problem is, you know, with that money, can you really bring in a, an upgrade? Or are you just letting this board dictate things, which is kind of what's already happening anyway? in my opinion you know it does kind of feel like like i said larry scott's not coming forward with some five-step plan he's been stuck he's a lame duck i uh i don't know i don't know um those are some thoughts if you guys have any thoughts as always leave them in the comment section of the post for today's show at thednvr.com get to those tomorrow i do think that there's going to be a media call tomorrow but again this is a morning podcast so we haven't gotten the email confirming that or saying who we will be talking to um, but likely an offensive player and a defensive player um, we've already gotten darian rakestraw and mustafa johnson from the defensive side we've already gotten will sherman and Dar or not darian rakestraw and brady russell on the offensive side so i don't know i think could be nate I think KJ Trujillo could be an option. Um, uh, I think Terrence Lang or even Jalen Sami could be an option. Um, or, you know, a, a guy like Chris Miller could make a lot of sense too. You know, he's he's pretty well-spoken and he's going through the position change, but he's also kind of been hyped up and they think he's going to be dope. So I, I think if I had to bet, I would say we're getting Chris Miller tomorrow. Then offensively... Uh, you know, KD obviously sticks out. Um, he'd be one you go to. 
it's kind of weird. So so you can't talk to the true freshman until after the first game. That's just like a CU policy. Um, just because, I mean, those kids aren't used to it and they want them to get all trained up. Um, I understand the reasoning and I'm that's I'll, I'll fight some battles. That's definitely not one of the battles I'll fight. Um, but, you know, that means you can't talk to Brendan Lewis, uh, which means I don't think they would want to put Tyler Lytle out because then they're kind of like spinning things. If if we get to talk to Tyler Lytle three times beforehand and never see hear from Brendan, then that's kind of unbalanced. But at some point we are going to hear from Tyler even if it's just because we request him when that time comes. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to guess, I would say Katie and Chris Miller. So we'll see if I'm right. Um, okay, well, I guess I can just turn this off now. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow, uh, and I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, Patiently awaiting When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle Just how to act, and when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bus with my.
Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think.